Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting firm RiderFlex. If you enjoyed today's guest interview, please give it a like and be sure to subscribe to the RiderFlex podcast. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Tell me, Rich, tell us uh, about your personal uh, life a little bit. Give us, give us the family history, where you grew up, uh, mom, dad, siblings. Give us, give us some stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Pittsburgh, PA, and I, am, uh, I have three sisters. Um, okay. And so, my, uh, so I have one older sister and two younger sisters. All right. And All right. my, um, my mom raised, you know, ra- you know raised, the, raised us kids, ran the household, and my dad ran the business. Okay. Um, when I was three years old, my dad left his, his uh, so-called stable job at U.S. Steel. And he, uh, you know, this was 1978. Um, I was born in wow. 75. Wow. So he, uh, you know, he just, um, uh, just didn't do well working for, working for idiots. <laughs> so, a natural. So he was a natural entrepreneur. He wanted to he do something. Natural entre- yeah. And in 1978, you didn't, you know, it wasn't called entrepreneurship. It was called right. crazy. <laughs> so true. So well, true. So he was a um, uh, mechanical and construction engineer by degree, and okay. then um, got his MBA at Knights at Pitt. Uh, learned wow. business uh, through wow. MBA classes. Um, his first business was doing home inspections, and so, okay. um, and still, uh, you know, it's uh, you know when we um, uh, sold, you know, bought our last house, sold it, bought this house, we you know always have a soft spot for home inspectors because. Ah. You know, that, that was, that was my mom and dad, you know I mean? My dad would go do the home inspections and dictate notes and my mom would type them up and they'd be down in the office working on reports, you know, until late at night, um, just trying to keep the business going. Um, he, you know, so, uh, you know, seeing the entrepreneur life and, but, and so by the way, you know, he ended up, um, doing construction management and then got into, um, financial turnarounds actually during the SNL crisis, uh, he had a business partner they went into banks and did SNL bailouts, um, liquidating assets and deciding what they should keep and what they should sell. Um, and then was starting to study for his CFA, but decided that that he didn't really need to go down that route. And so got in, was doing business turnarounds for basically the rest of his career until really interesting. Wow. Yeah. And always, you know, it's, gosh, it's so funny. You know, I saw this at a young age, brilliant engineers with zero business sense. (laughs) And so he was always the one, you know, coming in, working with these engineers through the, through that sort of, uh, you know, heavy industry side of, of that area, you know, between Ohio and Western Pennsylvania and West Virginia that tri-state area. Mm-hmm. So anyway, not to dwell on this, not to over, uh, over, over dwell on this, but I definitely grew up in the, in the entrepreneurial household. And, I got you. Very uh, saw good. the ups and downs. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, I planted the seed early on. Now, what kind of kid were you? Were you, uh, you know, were you the good kid, the rebel kid, the middle kid, the, you know, where, where, where were you in there? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, I, uh, I, I would try to get away with as much as I could. Uh, I think it was, was my jam. Uh, and that included like how little homework could I do? Really? Okay. Yeah. And so right. I coasted on my ability to um, uh, listen and infer 
and uh, hated doing homework with mm. passion. And, uh, and so it was really only until later in life that I was like, when I started working on things that I love to do that I really appreciated um, kind of the, the homework that comes with, with regular work. But I was a good kid. I mean, I think my parents would say that I was overall, I was a good kid. I cared for my family and was, okay. you know, and, and uh, okay. I did love attention. Um, and so love to be on stage. Ah, uh, so thanks right. for that. Thanks for this opportunity, Steve. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> love it. Okay. So nothing, nothing major. Like you weren't, you weren't, uh, you didn't run away from home. You didn't get arrested. Nothing crazy. Nah, I was really a good kid. Okay. Sure. Okay. Yeah. How about, how about any of the sisters, any rebels in there? No, no. Um, uh, so, you know, the funny thing is that, you know, my, older sister and my youngest sister, they're the steady eddies, right? So okay. my older sister grows plants. She's a horticulturist. My younger sister is a school teacher. The middle sister, uh, Kathleen and I, we're the entrepreneurs. And so oh. we're the ones that love the roller coaster. All right. You know, and so she actually went, she's, uh, um, so she actually graduated from college with a, a double major in three years, full honors, uh, went to law school, a little bit of an overachiever. She's a little bit of an overachiever. I, um, I was like, how, you know, again, rich, how little homework can I get away with? But, um, <laughs> uh, you know, but, uh, so, uh, she was a lawyer for a while and then, um, yeah, she and her husband, um, you know, started a, a company called rebel desk and it was huh? a tre walking treadmills for work okay. adjustable height desks. I have mine right here. Um, and, uh, that was their first entrepreneur entrepreneurial endeavor. And now she's been in the startup community. She's out in DC working for builders and backers, helping, um, you know, raise up, uh, uh, communities throughout the Midwest. Cool. All right. Very good. Well, your parents, your, your parents must be super proud. So your dad's obviously still alive. Cause you mentioned him getting his haircut. How about your mom? She okay? Yes. Yes, definitely. Yep. Yeah. Grateful to have, my parents, uh, um, still around They're off to Ireland, uh, today, actually. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So Malloy is Malloy is Irish. I, I guess I Irish. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Oh, wow. All right. Do you still got family? Do they get to see people or is it just travel for fun? You know, it's travel for fun. Um, okay. I'd say, uh, I think the term is a lace curtain Irish, like my family, you know, and ancestors, if you will, came over and, has happened at that, you know, late 1800s with the um, Irish migration, like tried to integrate into, into society without, you know, sticking, a, sticking an Irish flag in the front yard. Um, Cause yeah. <laughs> uh, so did, were you raised um, Irish Catholic? Were you, were you a pretty strict, uh, pretty strict household there growing up? I'm guessing. I, I was raised Irish Catholic church every okay. Sunday. I went to Catholic schools my whole life. Actually. I went to, oh, awesome. yeah. St. Louis de Marillac. Uh, through eighth grade and then Seton LaSalle um, for high school and then St. Bonaventure University for college. That's why you went to school there. Okay. I was looking at that. I'm like, hmm, I wonder what the time I see. Now I got it. All right. Very good. And uh, how about now? Are you, you partners, spouses, kids, what, single? What, what's going on with Rich's personal life? Let's, yeah, let's so dig in. Let's dig yeah, in. Totally. <laughs> so we're recording this uh, on my eight year anniversary with my wife. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh. Congrats. Yeah. Yes. All right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So kids. Lucky. Yeah. We have two kids. Um, my son, our son is five and a half. Uh, and uh, our daughter will be four in uh, uh, 10 days. All right. Very nice. Okay. What, what's your wife do uh, besides run the family? <laughs> she runs the family. Uh, so she was a professional singer. Uh, oh, and what? Well, really? Yeah. Yeah. Would I know her? Can I look at it? Can I YouTube it? Yeah. <laughs> no, unfortunately, uh, you cannot. Uh, so she sang salsa in LA 
and uh, um, you know, has traveled the world, toured the, has toured with the salsa, used to tour with that salsa band. I mean, this is pre-YouTube, right? But um, oh, okay, okay. Uh, she and I both moved to Boulder in 2011, looking Separately. for a better, better Separately. quality of life. What's that? Separately, like you didn't know her. She moved right. and you, I see. Right. Separately. Yeah. Okay. yeah we met in Boulder. I, I was in New York. She was in LA. Uh, we moved uh, to Boulder for, uh, so I like to say we met in the middle. And uh, what happened? You were at a bar one night and she got up and sang karaoke and you're like, wow, I, I like her. <laughs> <laughs> no. So man, you know, do you want the, do you want the, yeah. the short story or the long story? No, give, give it to us, man. I want to, I want to know how you met. How did you meet a professional salsa singer that moved to Boulder the same year? I got to, yeah, I got to know this. I got to get yeah, into yeah, details. Yeah. So, um, so she had, had, uh, so she, um, yeah. So we met on match.com, you know, the old fashioned oh. way. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. Match that yeah. oh, wow, yeah. that was what year was this? This was uh 2011. 2011. Okay, yeah. okay. And that I yeah, think it was, was like like Christmas 2011. I had just moved to Boulder. I actually was uh I was so I was in New York for 14 years in New York City. I was fleeing New York, running for my life, literally, figuratively, mostly literally, um, from a from a really bad relationship. Oh and okay. Okay. um and so, and so Julie, you were, so you had a girlfriend that was like uh, schizophrenic, bipolar was going to kill you. And you're like, okay, I got to go. Yeah. And more like, uh, she was, uh, so she was, um, uh, emotionally abusive. And so I was Ooh. running from, from, okay. uh, from my own, uh, mental health. I got you. Hey, yeah. I, t- I, t- I totally get it. I brutal. Com- it was brutal. trust me. Um, I completely understand that I could go into why I understand further, but I won't do that right now. So anyway, <laughs> all right. So you, all right, yeah, go ahead. So you, go ahead. So, so moved to, moved to Boulder, got on match.com. Uh, and she winked at me on, oh, on that, match. Right. Right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so she found my, uh, so she found my profile. Her profile was, um, her headline was Latina Yogi seeks star Wars geek. Cause she's also <laughs> as a yoga instructor. That's pretty cool. I like the like, headline. Wow. Okay. She's so, got character. She's got some character. She does. She does. Yeah, for All sure. right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like, we, so we, yeah. so get this, we went on our first date in January of 2012 okay. and we had a great time. And then I realized what in the hell am I doing? Right. I am, I'm $40,000 in debt. I am unemployable. I'm unemployed and unemployable. I don't even own a car because I lived in New York for 14 years. Why would I own a car? Oh, like, God. like what am I doing dating? Uh, and like, I just needed to get my shit together. So sorry if you got to bleep that out, but no, you know, no, no, that, is, so that is what I, so, so I canceled our second date. Um, and because you didn't like, want to tell her, you didn't want to tell her you were poor and broke and you hadn't shared any of that with her. And you're like, well, if yeah. I go out again, she's going to start asking where I live and what I drive. And I don't want to tell her that yet. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Like I, I just need to fix myself. I mean, honestly, I, right. I had so much work to do for myself. Okay. Um, so, so I'm sitting in, in coffee shop uh, and in, uh, uh, in Atlas coffee shop. And so if you were around Boulder in the, in, you know, 10 years ago or so, like, yeah. um, Atlas was where it was at, right. That was the, co- that was, that was the hub for Boulder. Everybody, you know, so we'd go and work at Atlas and whether I was working on my startup or somebody else's, um, yeah. and, and this was months later in 2012 and in walks this girl. And I was like, dang, who is that? And she goes up and she talks to Chris, the coffee shop owner. And I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna have to go talk to Chris and find out who that is. <laughs> and, uh, and then I'm like, oh my God, I went on a date with her. And so I'm like, <laughs> looking at my computer, I'm like, Juliana, 
Yes. That's her. Adriana. <laughs> so she was running through my head for months, months. And so I finally got up the courage to, to reach back out to her. And so, so, okay. She, now, now that day though, in the coffee shop, she didn't see you. She didn't recognize no, you that. Oh, no. okay. All right. No, all right. no. Wow. So, yeah. So she was just on my mind for months. And so, um, so I finally got up the courage to reach out to her. She was, so she was, um, a hairstylist at the time that I met her. Um, okay. you know, she had moved to Boulder to like, she had left singing. She was, she was, um, you know, had, had, had put that career on hold. Like she was still right. singing for, uh, for an agency doing, doing events and weddings and stuff oh, okay. like that. But I see. she basically put her singing career on hold, um, was looking for some other work to do, got into hairstyling. Uh, her mom was a barber. And so that was kind of how she, she got into that. Um, so anyway, that was why she was all decked out is her, is the salon that she worked at was right next door and she was always all dressed up for it. So I see. So I, uh, but I remembered that she was a hairstylist. So I looked up that salon. She was still there. So I mailed a package to that salon. And so we had talked about Star Wars. And so I sent her some Star Wars package with this long card that was basically like, oh, I don't know if you you remember, but we went on this date and I thought we really hit it off, but I canceled our second date and, you know, and then uh, blah, 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 blah. And I, you know, if you want to hang out sometime, you know, I mean, here's my information. You could call me maybe. (laughs) Uh, So that was basically this like long rambling card. At the time she was in a relationship that was not going well. Um, And so, but then two months after that, after I sent it and I didn't hear from her, I didn't hear from her and kind of gave up on it. And then um, two months after that, she emailed me out of the blue and she was like, Hey, uh, how about that second date? And wow. that, was, that was 2013. So wow. it was a year and two months until we had our second first date. Um, and then we were inseparable. We're just like, this is so good. This how is so easy. That, that is cool. Do this very there good. You know, stuff. Very aw- great story. Great story. Uh, very awesome. So when you moved to, well, okay, let me, let me, let's go. Okay. Let's go back here. So when you went to school, you majored in finance, right? So you were, you were, you were good with numbers. Did you, did you do the finance thing? Because you're like, okay, I want to follow my dad with turnarounds and startup and, and and I'll be better at that. If I know numbers, was that, was that the thinking or no, 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 that wasn't. (laughs) No, I, I, um, I guess, let me think here. Uh, yeah, I got to school. I knew I wanted to major in business. I thought that I wanted to major in international business. Okay. But then I realized that that's not really a uh, an undergrad degree, and so it's you know, and and I would have to have created my own degree in it. Okay. Uh, which you could do, and most schools let you do that. St. Bonaventure lets okay. you do that. But I realized that uh, um, I need a, to get a uh, something with some practical knowledge first, right? And so I my see. options were management, marketing, accounting and finance mm. and for majors I and see. marketing didn't resonate with me. I didn't think that management was a, like a, uh, also didn't think that was a good undergrad degree. I okay. didn't like accounting, um, but I loved finance. And so, mm. so I, dec- so I, yeah, declared a major in finance. I got straight A's through all of my finance and econ courses Really, uh, because it was the first time that I was like, man, I freaking love this. And mm. so just, just dug in and did everything that I could to, uh, yeah. In that, now that was a cool little, what that's a small little private school. Isn't it? Is it? Yeah. Like what is it, like three to 5,000 students or what, what is it? Yeah. 2000, 2000. Oh, that's one of those, that's one of those campuses where everybody knows who's dating everybody. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's a beautiful campus, right? It's a, it's, it's in a lot of ways, it's like a one 10th scale version of CU Boulder where you have these, these beautiful, um, 
some are brick buildings, some stone buildings, tiled, the, the Italian tile roofs. Um, cool. You know, it's, cool. It's a, and in the Allegheny foothills. And so you have some nice mountains in the background there too. But yeah, were you involved? Place. I mean, at the small school, like were you involved in like all the campus, like student activities, student government? Were you involved for like, were you in a leadership leadership type stuff there? Uh, yeah, or, I think it was. Yeah. I think I was class president, sophomore and junior year, definitely cool. junior year. Cool. Um, All right. Yeah. And then I, the other organization I was a part of was model United nations model. UN. Okay. Yeah. I ran that organization. Very um, good. Yeah. Very good. Very good. The reason I asked that is because for the listeners, you know, if anybody's listening, younger, the younger aspiring entrepreneurs, if you're, if you happen to be in a smaller college like that, I mean, you can be involved in things. It's just really, it, it'll just, it, it is the beginnings of, really good people skills, social skills, learning how to organize, learning how to get along with all types of personalities. It really does a lot of things for you. And I, I could, I, I asked you kind of assuming that you probably were just based on your personality and style. So I could see it. Yeah, I could see it. Okay. Yep. So give us kind of the, um, before we get into springtime ventures, um, give us a brief career kind of, you don't have to hit every single uh, step, but, Kind of give me the kind of career overview and then how you decided to uh, get into Springtime Ventures and start that. Because I'm assuming you're, you're, you're managing partner or managing director, managing partner. Um, so I'm assuming you're a co-founder there. Um, yep. So walk us into, hey, here's kind of my career. And then boom, how, the, how, how Springtime Ventures started. Go ahead. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So my first career was in finance. I was, but I was actually in corporate finance and uh, specialized in analytics and reporting. And was, uh, you know, always the one uh, building, uh, building the reports that would help executives run business, run the business. Great. So it's no better way to learn the business. Um, So I got to sit in on executive meetings from a very young age. Love it. Uh, Through a series of stepping stones, all of a sudden I woke up one, one day and my job was ERP implementation manager. And I hated it. I was going to (laughs) say, I was going to say, yeah, yuck, yucky. My jam. Uh, (laughs) so, So I wanted something where. I could earn based off of my inputs, based off of my work. Uh, And so I got into sales. And so I had hired some people from Robert Half, both from Account Temps and from Robert Half Technology. And so I went to them to go find some like temporary Excel work or something like that, like some financial modeling work. And they're like, oh, and uh, I said, I said, look, I'm only, I only want contract because really what I'm trying to find are sales jobs. And they said, oh, really? Wait right here. (laughs) And so, so I got into sales work for Robert Half Technology. Interesting. Yeah, for a number of years. Um, and it took a while. I mean, it, you know, this is a full career change. And so I started at the bottom making less than I could live on. Um, mm-hmm. And it took about eight months to build up my book of business. But when it clicked, it took off. Okay. And so then I was a president's club and chairman's club producer. Um, and, and so I did tech staffing for a while. Um, you know, I had always, but I had always wanted to get into the startup world. My first startup was apartmentauctions.com in 1999. Really? Yes. As a, as an advisor, as an investor, as a co-founder, what was your, what's yeah. that? As a co-founder. Oh, really? Yeah. How about that? What, what did you do? Like, you had some buddies and they're like, Hey man, let's do this. Or how, how did that even happen? <laughs> yep. Totally. Totally. It was a guy I worked with at News Corp. Um, he was on the marketing side. I was in the finance, you know, or in the, you know, the executive suite with them mm-hmm. and we, we knew each other. And so, 
And so, and then he had a buddy that he went to college with a fraternity brother that was a, that was a, a technical. So that was the CTO and the, I was the COO and he, and the, my buddy was the CEO. And yeah, so we went out to try to raise some money. Didn't ne- never end up raising any money. Uh, not, and um, uh, you know, and so, uh, but that but was, were, were you know, all working? You all had full-time jobs while you were trying to do yeah. that on the site. Oh yeah. 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 The, my, you know, my buddy, the CEO, Ian, he, he eventually quit his job so that he could focus on it full-time to try to make it, try to make a go of it. Uh, but it didn't, uh, but you know, it was late 99. Um, we learned it lots of, Hey, some good learnings in there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yep. That was your first one. What happened? What happened to the URL? Who owns the URL now? Oh my gosh. I don't even know. <laughs> That's <laughs> okay. a great question. All right. But that was the start. That was the start. And now you've tasted, that was a little taste of, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you had been around entrepreneurs and, and you had been right. in the meetings and you had been around the executives and owners. So you already had a taste for it. But now you were like, you had your name as a co-founder on the startup, right? Mm-hmm. Now you're like, okay, I, oh, I mean, I like that. I like oh, yeah. That. Oh, yeah. You know, always wanted to get back to the tech startup world. I had been, um, you know, reading TechCrunch since, since it came out. In fact, um, a woman that I sat next to at News Corp, and she actually went to go run uh, TechCrunch for a while. Um, and, uh, you know, so it was following her, her career path and TechCrunch's growth. And, you know, we just always kept one eye on it. So when, um, when the time came to, to leave New York, I had family in Boulder. I had read about Techstars. I had heard that there was this up and coming tech startup community. I see. Um, and okay. so one beautiful, crisp New York, October day, that's like the perfect day to be in the city. I bought a one-way ticket to Pittsburgh and said, back in my bags, I'm out of here. I'm going to Boulder. How about um, that? Yeah. So, uh, so I came out here. Yeah. And I, you know, tell people that I've, um, I've filled, um, almost every role in the startup community from, um, uh, unpaid employee, unpaid co-founder to underpaid employee, to enthusiastic <laughs> event attendee, to community <laughs> organizer, even, uh, and then corporate sponsor. And now I'm fortunate. I'm so lucky to be able to, to invest in the community and invest in startups through springtime. Before we go into springtime ventures overview, I got to ask when you landed in Boulder. Now, when you first got here, did you have a paying gig? Did you, what did you, would you have a little savings? I'm like, okay, I'm just going to get an apartment and figure this shit out or what? 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had a cousin and, um, uh, and I, and he, he, I crashed with he and his wife, uh, in their spare bedroom for until I found a place and found a place of a guy that well, had left town and his last tenant, you know, was gone. And, you know, and so I got that on the cheap. Um, I, you know, I alluded to this earlier, but like I, you know, I mean, I was $40,000 in credit card debt and um, like I was broken, broken. And, uh, and you, when your dad, was your dad calling you? He's like, what the fuck? He's like, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing, Rich? <laughs> no, my, honestly, like my, my parents would never, it, my parents are so loving and so supportive. Um, you know, it, uh, going to get choked up just, uh, thinking about how, how lucky I am to have parents like that. Right. And that's kind of, that's the father that I, I aspire to be. That's I good. Made, I, I could not have made the move to Boulder without their support. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, and like, honestly, like I, I didn't have a job and I needed a car. And so my dad signed a, signed a loan for a car. So oh, really, and, and I just paid him. Yeah. So how about that? Uh, that's pretty good. Okay. Pretty. That's pretty cool. All right. Very good. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you sharing that. Okay. So you're, you're out there and, and now, and then you had some, some wonderful experiences and eventually what happens? Do you, do you, do you get to a point where you meet some people, you know, some people and you're like, Hey, let's, I want to, let's, let's do our own fund. I want to, 
I want to build a fund because I love investing in startups. And then you walk us through how it, how it developed. Yeah. There's a quote from, um, oh man, I can't remember if it's, uh, from one of the founders of Hummer Winblad, it's, I don't remember if it's Hummer or Winblad, but, um, uh, but it's in the book, The Business of Venture Capital by Mahendra Ramsangani. Um, and this is the, with, 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 this is the quote, right? This is that, um, uh, how do you get into venture capital? You climb in through the window, All right? So there's, there's really no front door. Like you do have to climb in through the window. You got to climb to the second floor and climb in through the window. So, right. Just a lot of, you know, series of, of lucky things. So um, in, uh, you know, so I met Matt, my partner, and it, it was springtime was his crazy idea. I met him in 2016. Okay. At the time I was a North American manager for IBM startup program, global okay. entrepreneur. Okay. And, um, <clears throat> you know, we were onboarding 3000 startups a year into the, into the IBM program. So I had this great national and global purview over the startup ecosystem. And I was sponsoring events all over the country, but um, you still, which was great, but you still wanted to do your own thing. You still, you still had the entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. Yeah. IBM life was not for me. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like my dad in that regard, for sure. So your buddy, he's got you out for beers and he's like, Hey man, I got this idea. Yeah. And so we met for coffee and, and he's telling me about this thing. I was like, yeah, that sounds great. You know, like keep me updated. And then um, in 2017, I was leaving IBM. I had this, I had a package and I had, I had runway, personal oh, runway. I see. Um, had, and so uh, I just reaching out to people to catch up what they're up to. And I met up with Matt and he's literally pulling his hair out. It's like, ah, oh, man, I don't know how to manage this deal flow. And I don't know how, like, he's like, he's like, so he had it. He already, he already had it up and running to a certain degree. So the stage that they were at, they were out fundraising. It was he and Rick Patch, and the two of them were out fundraising, trying to generate interest. There was no capital in the door yet. Um, okay. He was trying to manage LPs, manage the fundraise process, okay. Okay. build out the team, and um, and okay. you know generate show that like he can attract good startups. And but no them. no money in the door yet. So 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 right now it's just a. It's a URL and it's a filing of an LLC, but there whatever, but there's no, there's no real business yet. Not really. Yeah. I don't even okay. think, I don't even think the, like there was paperwork. I don't even okay. think anything had even been papered <laughs> at that point. Right. Okay. Cause, cause no dollars had come in. Uh, so okay. they were still circling, like having initial meetings and, okay. you know, like it'll give you a little backstory on Matt, right? So Matt comes from oil and gas. He okay. started out as a landman and then worked his way up into M&A. Um, and he's a, he is a super networker and, right. and, right. and he's a true, he's just a genuine, wonderful human being that everybody loves and okay. he loves everybody. Right. Uh, and, and so, um, and so he met, uh, he met Rick patch along the way. Rick was a founder of a tech company coming out of CU Boulder in the eighties, uh, built and sold that to Sybase, built and grew Sybase, helped take Sybase public as a, as an, a leader, as an executive, and then uh, when after Sybase, he was a founding partner of SQL Ventures and SQL Ventures were the big dogs out here in the nineties. Uh, they raised 410 million across three different funds. Uh, and he was the technology uh, founding partner. For I'm that. seeing, I'm seeing where the, I'm seeing where the early money came from. Yeah. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, you know, I, I always joke that like Matt's pitch was, we're going to start a, I'm going to start a, a, a venture capital fund investing in Colorado seed stage startups. And people are like, okay, let me get this straight. You don't have any startup experience. Nope. <laughs> you don't have any venture capital experience. Nope. You don't have any Colorado experience. Nope. 
All right. Good luck with that Tex. Yeah. Good luck with that. And, <laughs> and I don't have, a, I don't have a million dollars of my own money I'm putting in. I right. Need right. Your, exactly. I need your million. <laughs> right. Totally. Totally. So, so Rick, you know, uh, Rick helped to bring at least some of the VC experience. Uh, so I'm sitting there and galvanize, um, on the, in the red rocks conference room at galvanize talking, catching up with Matt in 2017. And he's like, Oh man, I, 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 he's like, ah. I'm like, Hey, I can help you. At that moment though, had he already gotten Rick to commit to putting some cash in or not yet? He and Rick had, he and Rick were, had, had committed as partners. I see. Um, okay. All, all right. handshake. Okay. Uh, you know, again, nothing right. papered okay, right, gotcha. at, at this point. Yeah. Um, but had handshake and they had been already out doing um, some other I pitches. See. Right. Okay. And so they had probably already had 500 pitches at that point. To, Did they, know. were they with, what were they pitching? Did they actually have like a pitch roadshow pitch deck or anything? Or were they just like, ah, I know people, let's just take people to coffee. Yeah, I mean, there were many, many iterations of the. Of the <laughs> many, many. Okay, so they had iterations. Okay, all <laughs> right. Sure. So you, all right. So now he's got he's got you sitting there. He's like, "Hey, man, come on, let, let's do this thing." Uh, no, I'm I'm the one that said to him, like, oh, "I can help you out." I see. And and he's like, "Well, I can't pay you." I said, "Ah, oh, you don't have to pay me. IBM's paying me." Perfect. And so I set up. You know, I went in. I set up systems to take in startups and help to. Uh, you know, evaluate them and say, oh, I've seen this, but you know, there's like, here, here's three other companies of this that, that are doing the same thing. And this is not that great. And uh, what about this? And, you know, and so then brought in some deal flow as well. And so it was okay. able to bring this national startup perspective because I'd been deep in the, yes. the whole US startup economy, including with a big focus on the secondary markets. So right. the Austins and the, and the Boulder Denver's and the, you know, um, at the time, LA was kind of a secondary market, but, um, uh, you know, and, and all of the flyover country, which you really have got to cover broadly in order to find those couple of gems. So mm, anyway, yes. um, brought a lot to the table, eventually, uh, brought me on as a, as a partner. So uh, can I, can I pause right here for the listeners? Cause this is really good advice for, for, for people in startup or talking to friends that have something going, but they can't pay them yet. Did you work an equity play on this deal? Did you like, were you like, okay, look, if you can't pay me, I want either some deferred income or I want a piece of any of the deals I bring in, or I want an equity play. I don't know how much you're comfortable sharing, but I do think this is really good advice for people that don't have experience at that because so many people get into these meetings where their friends are like, Hey man, let's do this thing, but we don't have any money and I can't really pay you yet. You know, can you talk about what kind of arrangement you made for yourself and give any advice to the listeners right there at that early piece? Yeah. Um, uh, don't do what I did. It would be my <laughs> advice, even though it worked out great for me. I, I, I tell founders all the time, all the time, you have to get, you have to get your agreements in writing, right? It, yes. In, you yes. Know, so all the time. And, and so this is just, just such a mistake that I see all the time. And by the way, there's gotta be, there's gotta be vesting in a cliff, right? Yes. And so there you yeah. go. Bingo. So Bingo. My, you know, my, my agreement with Matt was honest to God. He was, it was like, he was like, I'm going to, you know, you're, you're in, you're in, I got you. You're in. And you're like, right. you're like, okay, I don't know what that means, but yeah, sounds good. Let's go. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And <laughs> you know, and there is an element of this where I'm like, oh my God, this is like, we're starting a venture fund. This is amazing. This is so cool. Like I wouldn't trade this for anything. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it almost broke us as a family, uh, as a, as an early family, I'll tell yeah. you that 2018 was not, an, was a really hard year. Yeah. Um, but, uh, thankfully 
um, I had a handshake agreement with a, with a, with a guy who is of the highest caliber and integrity. And so, which, which, which is wonderful for you and Matt, but I want to, but I want to emphasize for the listeners. I don't advise that route. You really like you, like, yeah, (laughs) I'm with you, Steve. I'm with you. That's why I said, don't do what I did. Yeah. That's that's super dangerous, man. I mean, I'm so glad Matt's an awesome guy and that's wonderful. And I'm glad that worked out, but boy, I, just like you said earlier, I have seen that situation crash many times. And so, you know, for the listeners, I I don't care if it's er, whatever the early phase is, please get your operating agreement and your paperwork all together early on Yes, we could yep. do a whole nother episode on it. Yep. But anyway, and okay. Steve, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to plus one that and add on that it doesn't even need to be like a, you, know, you don't have to go to a lawyer and pay right. five grand or whatever, right. like email each other. Hey, I've got 50% and you've got 50%, right? <laughs> like just, and like, and we agree that we're going to do a, a four year vest with a one year cliff. Great. Yes. Get something in writing, please. Yes. Oh yes. my God. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So. So it's fun and you guys are enjoying each other. And by the way, your cultures and your personalities fit, right? I'm assuming you guys, you get along, you, oh, you, okay. you, you met each other's wives, whatever you're, you're like, I can, I trust this guy. I can, I enjoy being around him as a human being and doing the business together, which I'm so also so critical, right? Yes. Very critical. Yeah, totally. Okay. All right, cool. All right. Yeah. So, um, and now, now you got everything in line. Now there's paperwork, I'm assuming. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> give us the uh, give us Springtime Ventures, the overview, the pitch, the elevator pitch as it stands today. And for the listeners, it is springtimeventures.com. Uh, and you can also tag Rich on LinkedIn. I'm sure he loves getting those those additional LinkedIn members, Rich Malloy on LinkedIn. Yep. But give us yep. give us Springtime Ventures, the overview. Go for it. Yep. Totally. Yeah. So we're a seed stage fund based in Colorado. We invest nationally, but not in the Bay Area. Um, we're squarely focused on the, on, on the seed phase, although we're looking at for startups that are a little bit later. Um, uh, we what does are, that mean? What is that? What does that mean? A little bit later. Yeah. Yeah. We're not, we're given market right now and where our, our second fund is, we're looking for, I'd say, you know, uh, post revenue, post product launch. Like, so the pre-seed is where we don't have an appetite for pre-seed right now. Okay. Right. Okay. That's, that'd be the pre-revenue pre-product. Um, if you haven't crossed the, the, the penny gap, um, it's, uh, it's, okay. it's an area we're staying out. So of. let me, let me pause right there. So for the listeners, I want to repeat this back in my, the Steve Urban commoner layman terms. I'll probably mess up some of the verbiage. If you've already gotten some angel stuff and your mom and dad put in some money and you and your partner put in some money and the product and or the service is up, it's running and you actually have some revenue and some clients, then springtime is ready to talk to you. Yes. yes. Okay. Got provided it. that you're in our focus areas. And so this is the other thing with, with right. fund number two, which we're on our second fund right now. Um, we dialed in our focus areas and we found these are the areas where we have the best knowledge and where we can contribute the most. And so uh, focus area number one is fintech and insure tech. Okay. Number two is healthcare, digital health. Number three is logistics and supply chain. And then number four is marketplace businesses. Mm, okay. You forgot to mention really cool fast growing recruiting firms. That are... <laughs> no, That's all right. We're, we're, we're looking at that market. <laughs> Considering adding it as a, and by the way, page. by the way, RiderFlex is growing. It's profitable. It's doing about 2 million in revenue and we're already passed. I'm right. Hey, we're, 
It's perfect for you guys to. No, I've never. Mind. <laughs> okay. Actually, looking uh, at a couple of things in the in the recruiter space, uh, <laughs> given my background, I'll send them your way. You can give me your your input on them. Uh, okay, very good. So you're on your second. You say your second fund. Yep. Um, and by the way, I I love that your your website is 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 good. By the way, I mean, do you know how many people I interview, Rich? And and and. I go to their website and I read the website. I look at the website like five times and then I'll call my partner, Scott, and I'll be like, I still don't know what they do. I've looked at their website six times. I still don't know what they do. <laughs> and you guys are just super clear. You're like, hey, initial check, 400, 600K, fun size, 30 million. Yep. You know, you're super clear. I love I love that. Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, we put uh, a so lot of work into that website for sure. I like it. Um, so 400 to 600K, that's what you're looking to write. And are you looking for a, a, a minority stake, majority stake? What percentage do you want? Talk yep. to me about that. Yep, totally, totally. Yeah, so we uh, typically do not lead. However, we have a practice where we're comfortable getting to a yes or a no before a lead is in place. Mm. So typical VCBS is, oh, this is great. Let me know when you get a lead. Um, you'll never hear that from springtime. Uh, we will do our work and we'll make a decision um, before, you know, before or after a lead is in place. Um, okay. So we have co-led one, one investment that was Packurate out of New York. Um, but, it's, you know, we haven't, um, we haven't led any other investments. So we're, it's just not a practice that we have developed. We're hoping to develop that and, and, and grow into that. But for now, um, we're good. We're, we're good where we're at. And it, you want it enables us to be much more collaborative with other funds. Okay. Are you looking, do you, you, you want a board seat though? You want to, you want to vote or doesn't matter? We're not, we're not particular about it. We have a couple of board observer seats. Typically, if we, if we were to lead, we would want to be on the board, but, um, but yeah, we don't have any ego around. Okay. That. All right. What's your, any big time, any like huge successful exits yet that uh, paid, paid off huge, anything you want to share? So we have a couple of exits. They were um, uh, good, healthy, but smaller exits that haven't returned the fund. However, okay. we do have two of Colorado's 12 unicorns in our first oh, fund. Really? Okay. Yeah. Very yeah. good. So Sondermind and Viho. Okay. And in your role, are you the one um, dissecting the startups and helping decide where to put the money? Or are you the, ones go you the one going out and signing uh, limited partners and asking people to write checks? <laughs> <laughs> Matt is the fundraiser for sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He, he has done, um, you know, he did probably 80% of that for fund one and probably 99% of it for fund two. That, um, that takes a, that is a special person. He's, yeah. I have, I have been around people. I have been in dinner meetings, watching people like Matt asking billionaires to write checks. Yeah. That, that is a special skill. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh, any, anyway, so in your role, your, your specific role. So, other than that, I mean, we all try to contribute to the, to the, to the fundraise, but other than that, we, we, you know, we haven't divided it out in any particular stage or category. And so okay. um, we hired a principal um, uh, named Allison Plosko. She's in, she's based in Atlanta. We see big things coming in the Southeast. Um, and really? she has seven years of venture health investing experience, venture capital health investing experience. So okay. we wanted, you know, healthcare being one of our segments. So she was a great fit for us. But between now, the three you, you of said, us, you said, you said big things in the Southeast. And then you said healthcare. Is that because there's a lot of unhealthy people in the Southeast? <laughs> I'm just tying that. <laughs> I just, I just tying nope. that together. There's a lot of healthy, unhealthy people in the, in the U S across the board. You got that um, right, bro. Right. Once we get out of the bubble here in the front range. 
Um, <laughs> but, uh, or even within it. Um, but no, the, no, she okay. uh, uncorrelated healthcare and Southeast. I see. Okay. okay right. Um, okay. But, um, but. So you uh, do, you do a little bit of everything is what I hear mm-hmm. you say. Yep. Totally. Totally. Sourcing due diligence. Typically when startup comes in, we'll look at it and say, you know, if, if it was, if it's a cold inbound, we may, you know, one of us will, will raise our hand and say, okay, I'll, I'll jump on this. Um, but we all are, you know, would invest across any of those categories. Each of us will take a lead. One person will take a lead on a startup and bring them through our process until we get to either a yes or a no. Okay. And, and it doesn't, and Allison, you know, is on, you know, isn't just doing healthcare, right? She's with us on all of those, okay. but yeah. Do you want, do you want, uh, what's the revenue range? I don't know if we talked about this and maybe it's on the website and I just missed it here. Is there a revenue or EBITDA or number range you're looking for? Yeah. In particular, uh, I mean, you know, insert joke about uh, startup, uh, seed stage startup, and EBITDA here, right? About, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I know what it is, and it's going to be negative, and that's the idea. But uh, that's why you need venture capital. No, uh, we, like I said before, we are looking for, um, you know, we are we are looking for post revenue. Uh, we are looking for something that has revenue coming in the door. We don't have. I can't. I can't. Million. Say, million. You know. Okay. Okay. It, you know, it's, all right. it, it all depends. There are, there are levers, right? And so some all of these right. levers are, <clears throat> excuse me, some of these levers are the founders deep domain expertise. And this is something that we look for as founders that have domain expertise. Another thing we look for are truly transformative technologies, right? And so okay. this is not like, uh, like one of the things, one of the trends we're seeing right now that's is, um, like fintech apps for a specific demographic or mm. mental health mm. apps for a specific mm. demographic. Mm. And like, that is not, that's not, that's not truly transformative. That's building on top of everything else that's out there and limiting mm. your market. Right. I so see. we're looking for something that I'll give you a great example. Um, so like accurate, a great example. Another one is PTO exchange. This is a fund one investment. And what they do is enable uh, employers to allow their employees to take unused accrued PTO and transform it into cash, hotel stays, flights, uh, paying off student loans, um, really? bikes, mental, you know, like, uh, like, Ooh. you know, just like take your, take your unused accrued PTO and, and turn it into something. Is that a, a PTO exchange? I'm looking at that on the website. Is that a SaaS business that is uh, sold to other companies? Is that what that is? It's a marketplace, um, but they do sell to companies on a PEPM basis, so a per employee okay. per month. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, and um, All right. plus they make fees on the market, on the exchange in the marketplace. How many times have you said no to a deal because the co-founder, because you f- didn't feel the connection with the co-founders, or you just felt like, oh, well, I don't know, these these two, these three, these four people, I just don't, I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel good about their relationship, about their communication style, even though their product or their service looks pretty good, their numbers are okay, but boy, I just don't know. I smell, I smell smoke here. I mean, how does that happen? <laughs> um, way more often now in in fund two, and even towards the end of fund one, I, I think that we. You know, we've learned a lot of lessons. Um, there's another joke in venture capital that takes $10 million to learn venture capital. Uh, and so, um, so we learned on, you know, in fund one, um, but yeah, definitely way more often now, like founder um, is, is so important and it's actually become a bigger part of our, our diligence process. So if I want to, I want to pause right there and obviously I ask you that question because I believe the same. Um, I personally, 
would take risk on a quote, okay product with excellent people that have potential and mesh well together. Yeah. I would take that over a good product where I know the founders are either assholes or they're not connecting or the communication is terrible or I, I, every time, every time. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, I, I don't know how many times I've seen a service or a product that's decent. And then I'll meet the people and I'll just be like, they're going to blow this shit up. They're, they're going to, they're going to kill each other. They're going to blow it. It's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> totally. totally. Yep. This happens all the time because it, it's people. It's a huge, at the end of the day, it's people working with people. I don't care what the product is at the end of the day until, until robots are running the planet, it's human beings working with human beings. And if they do not communicate well and get along, I don't care what the product is. They're going to blow it up. Yep. That, I'm just ranting for a minute. hundred so. <laughs> percent. It's just ranting. Uh, okay. Very good. So it's, it's, um, and how many people involved in the company? So how we have three full-time and okay. then we have another five, um, part-time, uh, roles, operating partner, CFO, general, you know, partner, but, uh, Matt and I are the general partners. Allison is a principal. We're the three full-time folks. Um, right. Rick is, is still super involved. Uh, you know, we have a Tuesday partner meeting that he's always there. John Greff, our CFO. Um, gosh, did we get like, like with Rick, we got super lucky with John. John has 40 years of CFO venture capital CFO experience, which mm -hmm. is, uh, I mean, uh, you know, it's, that's, you, yeah. I can't that's, tell you how yeah. much we benefit from yeah. having a CFO that has seen everything from IPO to mm -hmm. locking the doors after bankruptcy court. Yeah, that's right? huge. Like, Great experience. Great yeah. experience. Yeah. When should the company call you? When should, when should a prospect call you? And here, here's why I, I asked that question. I mean, that's really so many business. I'll, I'll use, let's use Ridafrix, for example, right? Yeah. You, you get the business to a couple of million dollars and, you know, you're just fighting, you're clawing your way, you're bootstrapping, you're, you, you know, you haven't taken on any cash and very, very typical, right? You got the original founders involved. Okay. They got it going. It's moving along. It's growing. That's cool. And then eventually that small business asks, they, they say to themselves, okay, is this just going to be a lifelong lifestyle business for my family? And if it is, that's cool. That's totally fine. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. Or am I going to change this to a growth business and take on some cash? And there's that, that, that moment, right. That period where the founders are, they, they, everybody, most founders come to that point where they're like, okay, this is going okay. Do we just, do we just run this thing and then let our kids run it someday? Or do we go talk to springtime ventures and take on some cash and blow it up? What are we going to do now? When, mm. when should they come to you? What, how do they decide? And, and when should they call you? I know that's kind of a, that's a really big, broad question, but mm. I, do you understand what I'm getting at? Like, how do you know, how do you know when it's time to call springtime? Yeah. Uh, so first I do open office hours. It's on the website um, that you can, you know, every Tuesday from one to three, there's four slots in there that, Great. you know, anybody can just, awesome. just, you know, get on my calendar. Right. So that's, that's part of it. Love Matt it. does it as well. Allison does it as well. So, uh, so that's number one. Um, number two is, is that look, let's, uh, I want to separate small business from startup. Right. And so we're looking for um, high growth potential, uh, you know, technology-driven, technology-based businesses. Um, 
uh, which I would separate from a small business, which is which is mm. service based or mm. location based, uh, mm. that mm. that still are amazing businesses in the foundation of America, and so that that separation, right? So then, so then the question is, what do you is is there a scalable technology piece right. that can that can go on top of this? Right. Um, and then the last thing I'll say, and the reason that that distinction is important is that um, venture capital is a treadmill and it only gets faster and it only gets steeper. And so if you raise seed stage venture from Springtime Ventures and other funds, um, my expectation is that you are going to go on to raise a series A and then raise a series B and then raise a series C and then maybe mm. sell or maybe IPO or maybe I raise see. a series D and then sell or IPO. But my expectation is I'm evaluating every investment of how do I return the entire fund with this one investment? I see. I yeah. see. Okay. I have two more questions. I know we're, I know we're almost out of time. We'll wrap up. Two more questions. This, this next one, you're going to love this next one. Do you know, and this is not really a question. This is a statement that I want to get your reaction to. Do you know how many times I've talked to people and they're like, oh my God, bro, I took money from a VC or a PE and I signed with the devil and I wish I never had done it and my life is miserable because I took this cash. Do you know how many times I've heard that, Rich? <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's like, they're, they're always like, don't do it, don't do it, don't take the money. Now, in, this, in these cases, those are usually cases where they gave up 51%, mm. you know, and mm. I wish they had. Whew. Yeah. But um, what would you say to the people thinking about taking on cash and they're scared? They're scared they're going to sign a deal with the devil. <laughs> what, yeah. What's your response? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, this, the, um, there's another, you, you, my, my third VC trope of, the, of the, the, the podcast here, right? But is, is that uh, most um, investment relationships last longer than the average American marriage. Uh, so think about that, that, you know, that, that, this is a person that you're marrying and you need to be damn well sure that this is somebody that you want, that, that you want to be working with on a regular basis. And so how can you, you know, the first thing you should be doing is you should be back channeling references. Um, we do this as a fund. We're always back channeling founders, right? And so like reach out to the accelerator they went to or, or another fund that invested in them. And like, Hey, tell me about this founder. Tell me about Steve. Right. So you should be doing the same thing. And startups should be doing this for springtime. Like you should, if a startup came to me and said, Oh, yeah, I talked to three of your founders, I'd be like, that's amazing. Good for you. Right. So as as somebody that's looking at potentially taking investment dollars, uh, get references from them, but also get on LinkedIn and yeah. figure out who else has this person worked with and what's yeah. their background and talk, find somebody that knows somebody that 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 has worked for this person before. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Thank you. Very good advice, Rich. Last question. Uh, if you, at this stage in your life, based on everything you've learned and experienced, how would you define your core purpose moving forward? What is Rich's core? Let's, aside from family, wife, okay, let's, let's set personal family stuff aside. What is, what is Rich's core purpose in life, if you had to define it? To rebuild the middle class in America to rebuild the American dream. I think that the American dream is broken right now, that it, there is an unfulfilled promise to, to the middle class, that the middle class is what really makes America, America. There's a country that, that, um, that was founded 
without a peasant class. And yes, we had a slave class for a long time. And that's a terrible tragedy on, on, from our, from our history. Um, but the, but where America's roots are and what has made America, what it is, is that, is that we have always had a middle class and that, and, and so as that shrinks, as that wealth gap shrinks and the ultra uh, high net worth people become even ultra, ultra high net worth people. And you've got to start taking that 1% down to the 00001%. Um, and then the poverty line doesn't move and more people fall below the poverty line. And now inflation is raging, right? So what motivates me is to rebuild the middle class in America. And I believe and that entrepreneurship is the highest ideal of the American dream. And so you look at how we have invested at springtime. We don't have a mandate or uh, even a thesis around middle class. But you look at some of these investments that we've made, like Sondermind is a, mar is a uh, marketplace for mental health therapists. But it, what it does is it allows a therapist to hang a shingle out there and they have all the services that they need to run their business, including it get, getting clients driven to them so that they can be a small business and they can be a single operator and they, don't have, and they, can, they can live their dream of, of being an entrepreneur as a therapist, right? And that's just one example. So this is, this is what motivates me. I love it. I love it. You boy, you touched on something we could do a whole nother episode on. I, uh, <laughs> the gap, the gap. Yeah. You know, it, it, I'll say this. I want to wrap up. I want to just give this quick story here. And I don't, I don't, I never, I never think of myself as a socialist or universal income, or we should all make the same. You know, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, sa I'm not saying that by any means when I tell you the story, but I was in Naples, Florida a few years back. And it is one of those areas where if you are right by the beach and whatever that is, Park Avenue or whatever that main street is there in Naples, where all the rich people, they it's I mean, you you can you're, you're talking about billionaires and then you literally can go like four miles, three or four miles. And and then all of a sudden you're in a completely different world of poverty with with people that you know, do the yards of the rich people. And, and I was there and um, I, I just had this feeling where I'm like, man, like this just doesn't feel right. Like I, I, this doesn't feel good to me. Like I got, yeah, it didn't feel good. It didn't. I just was like, Oh, this is, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know what, but I can tell you this, what you're doing and what springtime is focusing on uh, to help uh, people uh, with their businesses, uh, especially, because almost everybody you invest in is probably quote middle class. Because if they weren't, they would have their own money. They wouldn't need to take yours. <laughs> <laughs> so I love what you're doing. I love what you're yeah. doing, man. Congratulations, uh, really, on on everything uh, to you Thank and your you. partners. You spoke very highly of your of your partners, which is is lovely to work with. Wonderful, isn't it? Great to work with wonderful people. It is great to work with wonderful people. I didn't it's get to shout out to to Jesse Dixon and Rick Jones and and uh, Jeff Gardner, who was a partner for Fund One and is a uh, it was a GP for fun one, but like, you know, we have this, um, this amazing team that we've put together. That's great, man. Um, that's, I'll, that's great. I'll, I'll, I'm going to plug my, uh, my own thing right now. Right. If, if you'll indulge me, but yes. um, I just yes. released a short form podcast called the VC minute, quick advice oh. to help startup founders fundraise better. The, oh, and, what is the, what, what's the, is there a URL? Is it VC minute? What's it called? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's on springtimeventures.com. You can also go to vcminute.co.co. Okay. But that'll just take you to the VC Minute page on on Springtime, and this is this is me helping founders get inside the psychology of fundraising. Love it, 
Love yeah, it. Is it on YouTube? Are you doing video or just audio or just audio? Okay. Each is episode, it on Spotify, Spotify and all the rest of them? All of them. You can find it on, on all of them. Uh, each episode's about a minute and a half, right? Okay. So just, just rip through it. And that's the idea. It's like one quick thing, take away, pause, think love about it. it, get to the next one. Dude, I love it. Okay. Very good. I, sorry I didn't bring that up. Very good. Yeah, don't worry about it. Rich, awesome conversation, my friend. Thank you so Dude, much for being on the great. show. Yes. This was great, Steve. Thank you so much.